Welcome to the E2A Flippers podcast. I'm your host, Steve Rakin, and this show is dedicated to helping you make more money by flipping physical products from eBay to Amazon.com. If that's what you're here to learn, then you're in the right place. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Do you want to get started with Amazon Online Arbitrage? Or are you already doing this and you want to grow and scale to the next level? Well, in this video, I'm going to share 15 costly mistakes that you want to make sure you avoid before you start doing Amazon Online Arbitrage or if you're looking to grow your Amazon business to the next level. So without further ado, smash that like button and let's get right into the video. Mistake number one, poor sell-through rates. When you're selling on Amazon and especially with online arbitrage because you're spending more money on the products, you have an increased cost of goods, you want to make sure that you focus on items that have a strong sell-through rate. So what you can do is you can take a look at Keepa to take a look at how many times it's been selling, what's the monthly sales. You can also use SellerRamp to check to see the monthly sales, but also you can take a look and just... Look at the Keepa chart and see how often the item is selling. Take a look at the number of sellers. There's so many different ways that you can gauge the sell-through rate, but this is one of the biggest mistakes. Don't just focus on an item that is profitable. You want to ask yourself, how long is this going to take to sell? A week? Two weeks? A month? Look in the buy box statistics. See how often the buy box is rotated. We'll talk more about this, but mistake number one, and it's probably one of the biggest ones is ignoring the sell-through rate. It doesn't matter how profitable an item is if it doesn't sell quick. Mistake number two, overpaying for your products or buying during peak seasonal times. And then guess what? The price crashes down. You have to make sure that you're not overpaying for products. I actually just had a conversation with my virtual assistants yesterday and I told them because it's Q4 right now. I said, when we're buying our products, We don't want to assume that in January and February and March, if we have to somehow hold on or we don't sell through all of our products, we don't want to assume we're going to be able to sell it at the top price. So you have to take a look at the Keepa chart and look back at the history of that ASIN and that Keepa chart and see realistically, what do you think you're going to sell that product for? Is this DVD really going to sell for 50 or is this really a $35 DVD for 90% of the year, but it's overly inflated right now. You want to make sure that when you're buying products, you're assuming that you're not going to be able to sell it at the top, at the peak. If you do, that's extra profit for you, but you want to make sure that you're not overpaying and just assuming that you're going to sell something at a peak seasonal time when realistically you might not be able to. Mistake number three when doing online arbitrage is not checking to see if you're allowed to sell the item. Okay, now I'm talking about restrictions and it's very easy to do this when you're using a tool such as SellerAmp and I'll put a link down below and a coupon code in the description, but I love SellerAmp. SellerAmp is great for checking restrictions, checking different information about the product, the expenses, the fees, what's my ROI, what's my profit going to be. But a cool feature with SellerAmp is it will tell you if you're restricted or if you need to try to get manually ungated. Now, if if your manual ungate doesn't work, they're going to ask for invoices. That's Amazon. So a big mistake is buying a whole bunch of stuff from a location without knowing if you're able to actually sell it. Because if you can't sell it, then you're going to have to go back to the process of getting ungated. And that's going to hurt your cash flow long-term. You only want to buy products that you can sell right now and get rid of them. Because when you're doing online arbitrage, it's a game of managing your money. And the more money you have, the more money you could spend, the more products you could flip quickly, the faster you're going to grow your Amazon online arbitrage business. 
Mistake number four, and this connects right to mistake number three, is not getting ungated in brands and categories slowly over time. So I'm not telling you right now to get ungated in 50 to 60 different brands, but set a goal. Maybe this week you're going to get ungated in DVDs. Maybe the next week you're going to get ungated in Sony or Milwaukee or Lego. The goal isn't to get ungated in everything you know, overnight because that's going to cost a lot of money and time. But slowly over time, you want to open up the opportunities that you can flip. And in order to get ungated, you have to buy 10 of a specific product, a specific ASIN, get an invoice from a legitimate supplier, take that invoice, upload it to Amazon, and then you should typically be ungated within sometimes a couple of minutes upwards to a couple of days. So that's a big mistake. If you're going to do online arbitrage, you want to make sure that over time you start to determine what are the brands that I want to sell? What are the brands that I keep missing out on? There's these sales and coupons or these eBay to Amazon flips that I just keep kicking myself over and over and over again. Figure out which ones those are and each week get engaged in one to two. And over a year period of time, you're going to have a whole wide variety of brands that you can sell that your competitors won't. Mistake number five, and this can absolutely crush your business overnight buying products that are highly likely to get IP complaints. So these are intellectual property complaints. A big mistake that a lot of new sellers don't realize is even though you might be ungated and not restricted and you're allowed to sell a product, it doesn't mean you won't get in trouble. Okay. So intellectual property complaints are typically filed by the brand or maybe a representative of the brand. And if you get too many of these, you can get suspended and you can get kicked off. You could even get sued by some of these brands. When you're doing online arbitrage, you might actually start getting letters in the mail from brands threatening you saying you don't have the right to sell it. Now, 95% of them, they're just bluffing and they're trying to just use scare tactics that are pretty unethical, but you have to be careful, right? You have to do your research. And if you go to my YouTube channel and just type in rake and profit IP complaints or IP alerts, I've got a bunch of videos sharing how to prevent them, how to analyze them. But essentially, you want to use Keepa. You want to check to make sure there's no big drop-offs. You want to make sure the brand isn't on the listing. And I highly recommend using a tool called IP Alert. And I'll put a discount code on the screen. I believe it's Raken30. If you use that code out checkout, you'll save 30%. But that's a fantastic tool, especially when you're dealing with brands that you're unfamiliar with or you haven't sold or you're on the fence about. Use IP Alert. It'll let you know if other sellers have been getting IP alerts with that brand. So this is huge. Don't overlook it. I promise you, you can do everything else right. But if you get too many IP complaints, your career on Amazon is going to be short-lived. Tip number six is not becoming tax exempt. Now I do eBay to Amazon flipping. I'm here in Connecticut. What I had to do was go to a website on eBay. Actually, I'll give you a little shortcut. If you go to rakeandprofit.com slash tax, it'll redirect you that link to eBay's website where it shares the different forms and what you need. Usually it's like a just a form from the state or your reseller certificate. But uh, if you're doing eBay to Amazon flips in particular, because that's my expertise, you want to get tax exempt. There's also other websites out there you can use to get tax exempt in your state and even in multiple states. But the big lesson is if you're doing online arbitrage and you're paying sales tax and maybe you're not using a prep center, get sales tax exempt. And another tip is if you are using a prep center, get a prep center that is sales tax exempt. So you can save that five, six, seven, or even 9% if you're in California. Mistake number seven, and this is huge. This really plays along with your sell-through rate. 
And a big mistake people make is they ignore the influx of sellers on the listing. Okay. So I'll tell you right now, if you have a product that's selling, let's just say 50 times a month, and on average, there's maybe 10 people on that listing. What do you think is going to happen if there's 20 or 30 people on the listing all of a sudden and the sell-through rate stays the same? Guess what's going to happen? I mean, the sell-through rate may stay the same, but what's going to happen is the price is going to tank. It's supply and demand. So you have to be really, really careful, okay? The sell-through rate might increase because the price is tanking, but the price is tanking. You want to make sure you're not on a sinking ship. So you've got to be very, very careful when you buy an item. It might look really profitable. It might look amazing. But if you take a look back at Keepa and you see there's 10 sellers on, on average, but now there's 15, 20, and you see it rise and rise and rising. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the complete opposite in terms of the price. The price is going to be going down. And the same is true if the number of sellers is going down and the sell-through rate is staying the same, a lot of times the price will increase. This is why so many times you see Amazon go out of stock on a product and guess what? The third-party sellers start jacking up the price because there's a lot less supply on the market and now they have control over the price. So do not ignore the amount of sellers. Check Keepa, do your research. And I'm telling you right now, the best way to prevent price tanking is to keep a very close eye on the number of sellers. Mistake number eight, especially if you're a new online arbitrage reseller on Amazon, stay away from leads list. I'm telling you right now, I don't buy leads list, so I don't have a lot of experience myself, but I have a lot of friends that I've made over the last 10 years in the Amazon space. And over and over again, I hear the same thing. Hey, Steve, I bought a leads list, or I'm, I'm overhearing a conversation. I bought a leads list and everything tanked in price. I lost all my money. Everything tanked. Everything tanked. It's because the number of sellers just massively increased because everybody got that same lead and everybody bought it. And like I mentioned before, if you ignore the influx of sellers, you're going to get burned. There's a saying that goes around. You want to be first on or first off. So if you're going to jump on a leads list, if you don't get it in the quickest and sell it the fastest, you might be on a ship that's sinking and you might have to wait until it sinks and then it slowly will go back up again to meet the demand and whatnot as the sellers start to evaporate and, and sell out of their products. So just be really, really careful about buying leads lists. Now, number nine is not learning about alternative sourcing methods. So if you're doing online arbitrage, perfectly fine. Like if you're in a coaching program or you're in a mentorship, you have a friend or you know, you're having a lot of success with just one thing, 100%, just stick with it. But if you're still trying to find yourself and maybe you don't enjoy doing traditional online arbitrage, which I don't, I don't enjoy going after coupons and looking for sales. And I don't enjoy like having a million competitors. Like that's why I found eBay to Amazon flips. So maybe you're in the same situation. You need to learn about eBay to Amazon, or maybe you want to learn from Joji. My good friend, he did over a quarter million dollars, over almost a hundred thousand profit, over 80K at the time of this recording, buying items on Amazon and flipping it on Amazon. That's a form of online arbitrage. Maybe learn from him, right? I'll put a link to his program down below. Maybe you want to learn to flip from Facebook to Amazon or Poshmark to Amazon or Etsy to Amazon or Craigslist to Amazon. There's like so many different ways to source with online arbitrage. But you know, if you're at a point where you're not happy or maybe your ROI and your margins are freaking low and you're just like, this isn't for me, there's other options out there. I'm not telling you to do eBay to Amazon or Amazon to Amazon or whatever, but just know there are other opportunities out there when it comes to online arbitrage. And it's not all just buying from Kohl's and buying from... Walmart, right? There's a lot of opportunities out there. So keep your head on a swivel. Mistake number 10, 
I made this mistake when I was new, when I transitioned from retail arbitrage to online arbitrage, is I had the idea that I saw all these people doing 50K a month, 60, 70, 100K. And I'm like, damn, if I ever made that much money, I'd be rich, right? Because <laughs> I was thrifting and doing like five to 10K a month. But the mistake I made and the realization I didn't, I, I just didn't know what I didn't know is when you're doing online arbitrage, your margins are less, you're investing a lot more money. And in order to get your sales up to 50 to 60 to 80, you know, I'm at 110. Well, there's two things it takes. Number one, it takes money and it takes time. Okay. So you need to invest a lot more money and then you have to be able to push back. This is the mistake I made. I didn't realize I had to kick back my paying myself in my cash flow to reinvest and to build up my business. So now I am at a point where I'm able to pay myself a pretty good amount of money each and every month. But in the beginning, I had to reinvest pretty much all the money back into the business. So if you're going to do online arbitrage, you're going to see these big, huge, gigantic numbers and people putting up these huge orange bars. But you have to understand either A, they're reinvesting it all back in, which is fine. A lot of people might laugh at that, but you're not running a real business. I, I know you're thrifting. I know you're making money going to garage sales, but if you got sick, you ain't making any more money. The reason I say that online arbitrage and wholesale and things like that are a real business because you could set it up in a way where you know, you have virtual assistants and people leveraging it. Whereas with RA, I love it. You know, I started with it. I still do it myself. I just don't consider that a real business in terms of like, if something happens to you, you're not going to make any more money. So the point I'm trying to make is there's pros and cons to it, right? RA, amazing margins, OA, less margins. But the great thing with OA is you can hire virtual assistants to source and prep centers and so on and so forth. But the downside is you're really not going to pay yourself anything anytime soon, at least in the beginning, I mean, at least not anything substantial. If you're really trying to grow your OA business, just because cost of goods is much higher, there's more fees, there's more expenses, there's prep centers, there's a whole bunch of different things. So go into it with the mindset of, you know what, I'm going to build this business and reinvest in this business, pretty much everything the first maybe six to 12 months. And then once I get it to a place, I'm happy, then you could start to pay yourself. All right, let's get into mistake number 11. And I guess this isn't really a mistake, but I guess it's something I wish I would have done sooner. And that's hiring a virtual assistant to help you. So I highly recommend once you start really mastering your systems and your processes with online arbitrage, start looking into a prep center, start looking into a virtual assistant to help you source products, or at least manage your numbers, or maybe someone to help you with repricing. You have to take a look at your business and you have to ask yourself, how much time am I spending in the business? If you're spending 40, 50 hours a week, and if you love it, that's fine. Keep doing it. But if you're like, I want more freedom, I want to be able to focus my time, my tasks to help me to grow, then you have to get yourself out of the business from working in the business and you have to start working on the business. And how do you do that? By hiring, hiring virtual assistants. Now, when you hire virtual assistants, there's a whole new set of problems and challenges that you're going to come across. But once you do work out the kinks and you train them and you invest in them and you trust them and you really teach them to get the outcome at a good price. And a lot of virtual assistants you could hire for two, three, four, five, six dollars an hour, right? So if your time's worth 80 bucks an hour and you're doing something that you can outsource for even 10 bucks an hour, then you're technically losing money in a sense, right? So I wish I would have hired virtual assistants sooner in my business. And you could really outsource a lot of stuff in this business, finding sales, coupons, sourcing, repricing, running your numbers, managing your spreadsheets. My virtual assistants help add items into my prep center, manage my prep center, problem items, ship items back to me, stranded inventory, high pricing errors. 
I've made videos about this in the past. If you want to learn more about it, definitely leave a comment down below. But I wish I would have hired virtual assistants sooner. It really, really helped me to scale my business, but also free up my time. Mistake number 12, and this has been a big learning lesson for me personally in my business as I grow on the way to a million dollars per year on Amazon, was buying items that consistently got returned. So I'm not going to go too deep into this other than make sure before you replenish inventory, go in and look. How many times have you sold it? What's the return rate? Was this getting returned all the time? Maybe you have an item that just keeps getting returned over and over again. And what happens sometimes is it gets returned and then it passes the inspection on Amazon. It goes back in your inventory. It sells again and then just gets returned and returned and returned. It's like this vicious cycle. So you got to be really careful of that. But also in order to protect your cash flow and to continue growing your business, you don't want to constantly be buying items that are getting returned all the time. So you have to set the bar in the sand or, or set the bar, however you want to say it, at a mark where you're like, I don't want to deal with items that have higher than a 5% return rate or a 10% return rate. So obviously you build that data over time as you sell in various categories and specific ASINs and whatnot. But you want to make sure that you're selling products that your customers enjoy, you're getting good feedback. And the more returns you get, it just hurts your cash flow, hurts your feedback, and just hurts your ability to grow your business. Mistake number 13 was buying items that consistently got high pricing errors. So again, this leads from items that you get returned a lot. You also have to be cognizant and pay attention to what items you list that constantly get stranded or constantly deal with high pricing errors. Sometimes Amazon will just give you a pain and the, they'll just be a pain in your butt over specific products for one reason or another. And next thing you know, you got to open up cases and fight with them and send them keep a screenshots, which my team does sometimes to uplift the high pricing errors. We have a whole system and SOP for how we deal with high pricing errors. I don't even know all of the steps because I don't even do it anymore, but pay attention. Like, if it's you who deals with it or if it's someone on your team, we have a system where if we continue to get high pricing errors on a specific ASIN, eventually we just give up and we say, this is on the do not buy list. So pay attention to items that constantly get high pricing errors and determine, do you want to sell them anymore in the future? Mistake number 14, poor repricing habits. So I actually just made a video a little while ago that may be out. It might not be out yet, but it's my 10 step plan to sell a million dollars in my Amazon business in 2024. And one of the things that I talked about in my plan was having a much more aggressive repricing game plan, right? Better repricing habits. In the past, sometimes I would let my items sit for three, four, five, six months, and I wouldn't cut my losses no more. I'm really, really working towards having better cash flow, getting my money back, cutting off the losses at the head. When I realized you want to know what? It's tanked in price. There's a bunch of new sellers that came in. I didn't hit my mark. All right, it's a loss. Let's get the money back. Even if I lose 20%, let's put it in something that's going to make 50%. And then I could double that again. So I'm going to be a lot more aggressive with my repricing habits. And I think it's important for you as well to get yourself a good repricer. Now, I highly recommend using Be Cool. And if you're interested in using Be Cool, I'll put a link down below, rakeandprofit.com slash Be Cool. That'll give you an extended 30-day trial. And I've got a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel. Just type in Rake and Profit Be Cool while I walk through the different rules and the pricing habits that I use. But the lesson is sometimes you got to cut your losses, set up your repricer, have your min max in line. And you could even set up some conditional rules for maybe the first 30 days and maybe your 60 to 90 day mark. And then if it goes over 90 days, you have it cut down to a certain ROI. There's a lot of powerful stuff you can do with Be Cool. But over time, as you grow your business, I'm telling you right now, you want to get a repricer. I don't care what repricer it is, get a repricer.
And mistake number 15, it really does lead from poor repricing habits. And I kind of already alluded to this, but cut your losses. If you make a mistake, if you make a bad buy, if you screw up, don't beat yourself up. Don't be emotional. I know it's easier said than done, but cut your losses. If a ton of sellers have come on the listing or maybe something happens where it's a risk of getting an IP, maybe you've heard in the community, people got an IP with a certain brand and you're selling it and you're like, well... I've sold it before, but you heard it from someone you trust. Like sometimes just cut your losses, get out, right? Sometimes the price tanks, sometimes Amazon comes on the listing. Sometimes just things happen in business and sometimes you got to make tough decisions and cut your losses. So hopefully this video helps. If it did smash that like button down below, I truly do believe there are some gigantic, huge opportunities moving into 2024, 2025 with online arbitrage, especially with eBay to Amazon. Amazon to Amazon, of course, traditional online arbitrage, even though I don't do it. I have a lot of friends who have success with it. If you want any help with online arbitrage and you want any coaching, especially with eBay to Amazon or Amazon to Amazon, I've got some links down below that can help you to get started, to grow, and to take your business to the next level. So with that being said, appreciate you guys and see you in the next video. Bye.